This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. GameStop. It's a company that really no one could have predicted would dominate headlines in 2021. But here we are in a retail video game store is the hottest stock in town. Its share price was up 1,600% at one point this year. I'm Gabe Friedman, host of Down to Business, and this week we break down what's happening. If you haven't been following, and I assume many of you haven't, here's a really quick primer. The first rule of investing, buy low, sell high. But it turns out there's another way to make money if you think a company's stock is already high or too expensive to buy. It's called shorting, and without getting technical, It's basically like betting that a company's stock price will go down. GameStop lost money in eight of the last 10 quarters. So on one side, you had a bunch of hedge funds making big bets that its share price was going to decline. And on the other, you have a bunch of smaller players. Ordinarily, no one would notice them because they don't have enough money to make much of a difference in the marketplace. But this time, they banded together on the internet and they decided to punish and I mean punish, the hedge funds who are shorting GameStop. To make sense of all this, I turn to not one, but two guests with very different takeaways about this whole episode. First up is David Goldreich, a professor of finance at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. As always, these interviews were edited for clarity and brevity. David Goldreich, thanks so much for joining me on Down to Business. Hi, Gabe. Glad to be here. Cool. So I think this GameStop phenomenon has really captivated the public. For people who haven't been paying attention, is there an easy way to summarize what's happened? Well, uh, yeah, the short version is GameStop is a relatively small company, hasn't been doing very well lately. And a number of um, large hedge funds have been short selling it because they think that it's, it's, its share price is too high. So they think it's going to go down. And somehow or another on social media, on Reddit, it became a thing of let's all buy GameStop. And people went nuts buying shares of GameStop, really harmed the short sellers. You know, they, 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 they lost a lot of money on it. The current price is completely divorced from any reality. It's gone up to it's $300, so, you know, probably up, up 50 times more than it should be. Right. But it's not just GameStop. AMC, the, the uh, movie theater chain, has also been there. Bed Bath Beyond. And there have been a few others, but in different industries. And these are shops where really big hedge funds have looked at their business model and said, that stock price is too high. We, so we're going to basically do something called short selling, which mm-hmm. without getting into too much of the details, it's essentially a way to make money when a company's stock goes down, which is the opposite of what you usually do. You usually invest in companies because you think the stock's going to go up. Yes. Short, short selling is a down bet on the company. It's betting that it goes down. And I think one of the key technical points here is that in order to short sell, short sell is about you, you borrow stock and, and, and you sell the stock, which means that if things go uh, against you, you have to, you have to cover that. If it goes against you, you you're, the, the downside is unlimited if you, if you short sell a company. Right. So what you're saying is you could be on the line for a lot of money. You could be aligned. When you buy stock, the worst case scenario is that the share price goes to zero. Uh, when you short sell a stock, the worst 
the worst case scenario is unlimited. <laughs> as they're learning in this particular case. As they are learning, as, as, as they are quickly learning, or they quickly learned over the matter of a day or two, they learned that. With this case, what's so interesting is that for the first time, we're seeing people on social media band together and drive a stock price up really high. I mean, is there any other comparable example of using social media to invest collectively like this? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, it, it is. I mean, the idea of, of driving a uh, stock price way out of line from where it should be of, 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 of its true value, that's not something new. I mean, in fact, actually, the accusation is that hedge funds or, or large investors, you know, there have been cases over the years, there have been cases of large individuals or hedge funds who would manipulate the market. And here, instead of having one big investor trying to manipulate the market to their benefit, what you have is you have the masses, some, some very, very large number of small people loosely organized on social media who are banding together in order to drive the stock price far away from fundamentals. Right. People who ordinarily you think of as being small-time players, sitting in their basements, maybe they have a home office somewhere, trading small amounts. It's a difficult thing to do in the market because you're going up against asset managers who have millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in assets at their disposal, and you're just a little guy. I mean, this is a David and Goliath story, is it not? Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, there, there is this. There is this narrative going around of this David and Goliath narrative of now it's the little guy's time in order to pay back against you know get get some payback against those big guys who've been taking advantage of us all along. I don't buy that narrative at all. Right? I think you know market manipulation is a is a bad thing when the large investor does it. Market manipulation is a uh, bad thing when the small investor does it. Now, normally, when you and I buy a few shares or something, we buy, you know, we buy 50 shares or something or 100 shares or something, that's a tiny drop in the bucket. You know, a company that has millions of shares being bought and sold every single day, it's not going to have any effect at all on the, on the share price. But when you have, you know, many, 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 many thousands of investors all going on the same side of the market, all at the same time, that adds up. And, th- and this is the case of, you know, the, the power of, of social media to organize these people and, to, and that they can really push the uh, price up. But... The David and Goliath uh, story, I'm not going to buy because market manipulation is a bad thing. Market manipulation is a bad thing no matter who does it. You know, the purpose of the, of the financial markets is to direct resources, direct capital to the companies that can create the most value for our society. Right? So much of our society is built on large companies who only get their resources, who get, who get their capital through, through the market. And it's really important that the, the money goes to the productive parts of the economy. And when you start manipulating markets in a way that sort of takes the share price far away from true value, that undermines the market and it's not going to end well. With market manipulation, I tend to think of like fraud and someone saying something inaccurate. Here, it seems like it's a group of people who've decided that short selling, that betting on someone else, making money off of someone else's misfortunes is wrong. And they've decided to invest in these companies. Why was it market manipulation to do that? Look, I'm not a securities lawyer, so, so I probably should be careful with exactly the, the, the words I say, but it certainly, it certainly has aspects of, of market manipulation. The idea of market manipulation is that you make transactions that are intended to drive the share price away from where the share price should be. Not because you think that it's more valuable, but you think that I'm going I'm to push it and I'm going to push it up away from where it is just in order to make the other guy hurt. Now, normally, you know, a real, a real case of market manipulation would be somebody who's really thinking it out, planning it out, 
and intending to do it. I'm not sure how I can how I can prove the intentions over here. And it's not necessarily it's not one person; it's this large collective of people doing so. But to me, it's actually it's it's a bit of a pyramid scheme going on here. You look at the uh, Reddit discussion where they were discussing it. You do have the people who bought shares early on at relatively low prices, and then they're yelling at everybody else, keep on buying, let's push the price up, let's push the price up, let's push the price up. So is that the same thing as market manipulation where a few people in a smoke-filled room are, are, are doing the same thing? It's, you know, it's, it's a difference of a small number of large people or many small people, but the idea is this is an intention to drive, drive the price not based. I mean, nobody there is nobody there is arguing that 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 GameStop is worth three hundred and fifty dollars per share. They're just saying is we have the ability to push it, and we're going to cause those short sellers to lose money. And the short sellers, for the most part, are out of the market already. They've already lost all their money, and they're already out. But keep pushing up. Let's keep pushing it up. And my real fear is, I'm sort of imagining the the, the guy, you know, the way you were describing the, the the young guy on his, you know, trading in his basement, bought some bought some shares. Keeps on urging everybody to buy more shares to keep pushing the price up, and then some naive kid comes along, puts wedding money they saved up to buy a few more shares of this thing, and then eventually the bottom's going to fall out. Ultimately, gravity is going to prevail, and the kids who got in late, they're going to lose big time. Yeah, there's certainly a possibility, right, that some people are going to lose money besides just the hedge funds who are short selling this. It's an interesting case, though, too, because it sort of is a rare instance where you see sort of freedom of speech butting up against the market. I mean, there's a lot of other companies that are overvalued that are still trading, right? I mean, you take Tesla, for example. Price of Tesla has been, has been skyrocketing recently. But, th- but that's the marketplace telling it based on the marketplace's assessment, the consensus of the true value of Tesla, right? If you sort of think about a traditional economics approach to its supply and demand. The marketplace for Tesla includes people who are buying Tesla and people who are selling Tesla. Some people think that Tesla is going to do, be the most amazing thing ever. And it's, going to have, it's going to make enormous profits in the future. And so they think the share price is too low and it should be higher and they're buying it. Other people think, what are you talking about? Tesla, it's still a young company. It hasn't proven itself. And, they, and they're more pessimistic and they think that the price should be lower. And then through the magic of the marketplace, you know, you have supply and, you know, the, where supply equals demand, you get the market price. And, and today's market price of Tesla is that, is that special point where an equal number of people or equal number of buyers are more optimistic and equal number of people are, are, are less optimistic. And that's, what makes, and that's what makes an equilibrium price. A market price is, the, is that special price where half the people or half the buyers are more optimistic and half the buyers are more pessimistic. So, so we call this the consensus price. Right? But that's all about people thinking about the ultimate product and the ultimate value based on the company's potential for future profits. It's not just this made up in the air stuff. I mean, it's the problem, right? Is that saying that these guys on the Reddit board are just making up a number requires some sort of intervention and a judgment call on on speech. They're obviously putting their money behind it. In a way, it sounds like you're standing up for this right to short sell something. Yeah, I, 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 I am. Some people ask me if I'm, if I'm on the side of the small guy here or if I'm on the side of the hedge fund. No, I'm not on, on either of their sides, right? I'm, I'm on the side of, of a marketplace, right? A marketplace that helps build an economy, a marketplace that helps build prosperity for all of us. And I'd like that marketplace to be working as well as possible. And 
if a large hedge fund or a large investor does something to distort the market, that's a that's a bad thing, right? That's harmful. That's harmful to to our economy. And if a whole large number of uh, people on Reddit get together and distort prices, that's also bad. But it's also pretty clear that there's just no way that anybody believes that's what the actual business is worth. I don't think I think I think a fair reading of what's going on now is that nobody is actually arguing that that is is the fair value. And in fact, you know, take it back to the Tesla comparison, the people who are who are bullish on Tesla, they tell stories about how Tesla is creating these amazing cars that are going to do wonderful things for us in the future and all the wonderful things that Elon Musk is going to do. They're telling stories about economics and how this thing is going to create value for society. Here, you don't hear any of that. Nobody's saying, oh, you know what, GameStop, they're selling great video games, and I think they're going to sell lots of video games, and people are going to be really into it. Nobody's telling that story. Like being drunk with power. Look at us. We can gather together, and we can beat up those Wall Street people. We can gather together, and we can make the, the, the price of GameStop go to the moon. Those are the types of things that they're, they're saying. They're talking about how we can move the price. I see. And what's really important is value. Are these companies creating value? Are these companies doing things that customers want? Are these companies producing goods and services that make, you know, that, that, that make us more prosperous? Well, look, any single one of these investors, their comments by themselves are maybe rather meaningless, right? Like mm-hmm. most of them were investing really small amounts of money. So what's the bright line test going forward? How do we protect our markets if we assume what you're saying, that this type of behavior distorts the markets, it makes it so that assets are not valued as they actually are valued, and that's a bad thing overall for us. What's the remedy? But that, that's a good question, because I don't really know. I mean, we've seen it in a number of different contexts, the, the, the power of social media, right? Where, where, where people who were previously voiceless are saying, you know, you gather together and suddenly you have power as, as a large group. I don't know what the uh, solution is. I know I do recognize, and I am quite, as you can tell, I'm quite firmly believe that this is something that that's bad for 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 us, bad for the economy, bad for society, and I don't know how one controls it if one can control it. I don't I don't know what the uh, solution is. I mean, certainly going forward, hedge funds who who believe that the stock price is overvalued will be much more hesitant to short sell because suddenly they've, they've learned that you can get killed short selling if the, this crowd of people move against you, right? They've suddenly learned that there's, there's much more risk in short selling, right? That, than, than they previously thought could have, could have been. So they will be much more, more cautious about that, which I actually think is, is, is a bit of a problem as well. But I don't know, you know, there's a genie's out of the bottle. I don't know. I, I don't know how one would, uh, would uh, uh, contain it in the future. Right. And so your sort of takeaway from this incident, that, that it's not so much the wisdom of crowds occurring through social media, but the sort of power of a mob. Yes. And, 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 and I like the terminology that's used, because normally we, we do use the term of the wisdom of the crowd. The wisdom of the crowd is, is, is where supply and demand uh, uh, cross each other, right? It's the idea that, that with many people, you normally we think that it's a great thing with many people. We want lots of people to participate in the markets. We want lots of people, some are optimistic, some are pessimistic, and they help find the right price. And there's tons of evidence that having lots of people in the market is a good thing. But then that's different than a mob. A mob is they're all moving in the same direction, not for reasons related to uh, fundamentals. 
you know, the, and the people who want to take this and turn this into class warfare or ge- intergenerational warfare, it's like, goodness, goodness, that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to have a marketplace where people can invest their money, where companies can raise capital to build factories, to hire people, to produce goods and services for all of us. You know, let, let's, let's, let's not get too far away from the fundamentals here. Okay, last question. The people who sort of support this seem to think the reason why this is a good thing is that the market is not fair. It's already stacked in favor of institutions. There's all sorts of different arguments for why the market is stacked. Is this maybe just a good opportunity to sort of hasten that discussion? Is there refor- Are there reforms needed that this could bring to the surface? I mean, I mean, we could we could discuss each each of the different uh, uh, points. I think there's more truth to some of those arguments than some of the other arguments. But you know, like they say, two wrongs don't make a right. I, if anything, I would think it's less less so than than. I mean, in general terms, in general terms, I, I'm not sure. But I mean, if you take a look at like the cost of trading, in fact, that's actually one of the one one of part of the story here. In the olden days, you wanted to buy you wanted to buy some shares. You had to call up your broker, pay a fee of a hundred dollars in order to do some shares. Nowadays, you know, like again, people talk about Robinhood. It's basically free, right? In Canada, you go to Quest Trade. It's like five bucks to make a trade. It's really, really cheap. Uh, much, much easier for the small investor to get involved than ever before. And yes, there are imperfections. Yes, there are things that aren't fair. Yes, it requires regulation, and any regulation is going to be imperfect. One of the complaints you've seen is that some of these companies that charge no fee are actually relying on hedge funds to execute your trades. And the reason why it's free is because by using the hedge fund, they get a sort of front look at what people are buying or selling, and that gives them a leg up. I mean, I mean, clearly, you know, if, if they're if they're giving it to you for free, clearly, clearly they're making money someplace, right? They're they're, they're businesses. They're not they're not uh, charities, right? Back you know back in the day, we used to watch uh, uh, television and for free, but it was the television commercials we're paying for it. Nowadays, we do a lot of things online, and, and it's the advertisements online that they're paying for. Clearly, they're making their, their their money some way, and some of it is you know has to do with order flow that about who, about who executes executes the trade, but. It's still way cheaper. It's still way cheaper than it used to be, and it's much, much cheaper. anybody anybody who's traded, you know, back back a generation ago would know, or not, not even a you know, a decade ago would know uh, how much more expensive it, it uh, used to be. Nowadays, it's it's so much easier for the uh, small person to get involved, and the markets. And and this goes to this idea about manipulation. Why we don't want manipulation? When the markets reflect fair value, then there's really no scope for people to take advantage of one another. I buy a share, you sell a share, we're buying and selling it at the fair price. Once you sort of throw your hands up and you say, yeah, market manipulation is okay, then there suddenly becomes scope for us to cheat each other. Well, listen, I really thank you for joining me on the show, David. It's great to talk with you. Thank you, Gabe. I enjoyed chatting. That was David Goldreich, a professor of finance at University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. My next guest brings a bit of a different perspective. Pauline Shum-Nolan, is a professor of finance at York University's Schulich School of Management, and she's the CEO of Wellscope, an analytics company for retail investors. Hi, Pauline. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. It's great to have you on the show to talk about uh, the phenomenon that a lot of people are talking about. What, if anything, is remarkable uh, to you about this story? Yeah, this is a fascinating story, and it's still an evolving story. And every day, there's new information. And what's fascinating is that, you know, this is the first time that we're seeing this crowdsourcing, crowdsourcing of information over the internet, social media, that has had this much impact. While social media has been around for over 10 years now, and there's been a lot of investment-related chat rooms, 
But to take this kind of action on this scale that we have witnessed is really unprecedented. And that's what makes it interesting. And also the, the fact that there is this sort of pitching one group against the other, sort of the main street investor, retail investors against Wall Street with that social justice angle it is, is just very, very interesting. Yeah, the social justice angle, some people call it David and Goliath. Why is this, why do you think it's taken so long for this kind of crowdsourcing against Wall Street to take place? I think perhaps a bit of a sign of the times, you know, that with the growth of users on social media, for sure, but also the fact that we are in a pandemic, right? So for the past 11 months, you know, we by and large, in a lot of countries, we have been in a lockdown. And then in terms of the social justice, that theme has been brought to the fore. And so I think that theme has taken on a new momentum. And so it just, you know, accumulated to this time where all that has become ripe for action. Interesting. And then so, you know, and also, I, you know, stock in question games talk, I guess, for a lot of the uh, the Reddit, that sub, subreddit, Wall Street bets, the users, game stock, I think perhaps is also a bit nostalgic for a lot of them that they've grown up uh, going to games. Yeah. And so that's something I want to talk to you about. The hedge funds in this case were betting on all these companies in which they thought the stock price was going to decline. Mm-hmm. They they lost. They made the wrong bet. Mm-hmm. This can't be the first time that some that someone's taken a short selling position that's been wrong and lost money. Right. That that's certainly true. It's happened a lot because shorting is extremely risky because the price instead of of the shares that you borrow instead of going down can keep going up. And so, therefore, hypothetically, the loss is unlimited. But this is a very interesting phenomenon in the sense that the people that are that are on the other side consist of, you know, possibly, you know, up to a million people, you know, because they are, you know, originally there are about two million um, members of that subreddit group. But now yesterday I've read that they've gone over four million. So each of those investors may only have a few hundred dollars, say, maybe some have more. But together, when they band together, um, that's a pretty sizable amount of money. So it is kind of like a crowdsourced hedge fund um, on that side. And that's what we haven't seen, that, that coordinated self-organization that have this kind of impact with something very, very new. Yeah, the idea of a crowdsourced hedge fund gives it a lot to think about. I called it fascinating. But social media has been in the news a lot recently, including how it propelled all the conspiracy theories in the U.S. when people stormed the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Here, the politics are sort of inverted. But in both cases, you have a sort of populist thread to them and anger against elites. Is there anything concerning to you about how this situation has played out so far? Mm -hmm, Right. I mean, you certainly worry about, you know, the people who were following into the trends, you know, what, you know, what kind of losses they might suffer as a result. And, and everyone's talked about the stock market now being more like a casino. Um, but, you know, but I find it also very interesting and somewhat ironic in the sense that, you know, the wisdom of the crowds, you know, people that are chattering on social media, 
the professional money managers, a lot of these hedge fund quantitative money manager types, they are also paying a lot for alternative data that would source investment investor sentiment. And so they are gathering a lot of data from social media to gauge, you know, sort of the retail investor sentiment. So in that way, that they're actually also using what's going on in social media to inform some, not all of it, but some part of their own research. That's really interesting. It sounds like what you're saying in part is that there are ways that the market is stacked against smaller investors and in favor of bigger investors, the ones who lost in this situation. Mm-hmm, right. Normally. I mean, you know, yes, right. I mean, that's definitely, yeah, that's certainly the sentiment that's very much in the forefront of uh, of this particular episode. I mean, is there any truth to that? Do you think like, are there reforms that need to happen to markets in general, not just the US market, but most capital markets? I mean, you know, there has been, you know, regulatory reforms, you know, uh, about fair disclosure. So, for example, in 2001, regulation fair disclosure is wanting public material, public information to be released to all investors at the same time, rather than, you know, CEO, senior management of a company just disclosing information to, to Wall Street before that information is being released to public. So there, there has been reforms along the way, but, you know, the sentiment of, you know, I mean, I think yesterday what happened with uh, Robinhood and some other platform was, was very, very interesting. So a lot of the Robinhood customers woke up and realized that they were not allowed to purchase these stocks like GameStop and AMC and so on. Just to clarify, Robinhood, the platform that allows people to buy and sell or trade stocks at very little to no cost, they f- they put a freeze on trading some of the companies. Yeah, so that was very interesting. It, w- it wasn't uh, so, so much a freeze on trading because a freeze on trading, a whole would apply to both buy and sell, but they were the the customers were not allowed to buy; they were allowed to sell these stocks in question, and so. That caused a lot of uproar, understandably so, amongst their their customers. Because if they're not allowed to buy, but they're allowed to sell, well, who are they selling to? Obviously not to the other customers on the trading platform. Yeah. So in your eyes, has it exposed any sort of weaknesses in the way we buy and sell stocks or the market regulation of that or or any vulnerabilities in our market? Yeah, I mean... um, I mean, with Robinhood in question, since we're on that topic, I mean, they have been fined by the uh, Securities Exchange Commission because their slogan is about democratizing investing to to everyday investor. It's very interesting that even though they charge no trading commission, which is what attracted a lot of younger investors or traders, but that because of how they sell the order flow to these other third parties, that they were fined by the SEC because they found that they were not actually not providing the best execution prices to the customer base. And so that even though they were not charging trading commissions, the SEC study found that the customers actually end up paying more because, you know, if you were buying, you were paying actually a higher price than otherwise. So there was a, a, a fine there. So it, yeah, so, it's, you know, I think regulators are always playing catch up. So yesterday, 
you know, it was at the brokerage level, at the, at the at Robin Hood, at their level that they decided to disallow a certain type of trade. And so typically trading holds, you know, we've had trading holds, but it's, it's done at the exchange level by the regulators. So that was also very interesting. So a lot of new things that are happening in the last few days. So looking forward, do you expect that we're going to see more of these clashes of people finding ways to use social media to, I don't know if fight is the right word, but sort of align themselves against bigger fund and investors? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very hard to say. I mean, they're certainly gaining some momentum, but then, you know, they're also realizing that things can, you know, they can wake up the next day and there could be something completely unexpected. Like, you know, what happened with Robinhood and I think Interactive Broker is the same, um, where they were forbidden to to execute certain trades. And so, yeah, so this is fast evolving. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm extremely following it with a lot of interest. And, and, and so, you know, and because it's sort of become a bit of a global, there's a global interest now because, you know, in Twitterland, there are people commenting from European countries where they, they, they know GameStop in Canada and so on. And they're, they're all chiming in into this conversation. It's fascinating. Well, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but right now the story as it stands is that like the hedge funds who were betting on these companies' declines have all lost a lot of money. And the stories we're seeing in the press are about small-time investors who've made a lot of money. Do you have any speculation about how this ends, if that'll still be the story and the narrative that we think about? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've read um, online, you know, people talk about this as being a redistribution of wealth, but uh, but it's very, you know, it's concentrated still, you know, on the on the side of the 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 hedge funds that were doing the shorting, and then one had to be bailed out by another, you know, by an investor, and then on the other side, you know, those are the thousands and thousands of uh, smaller investors. And it's very much depending on whether they were a follower trying to, you know, finding about what's going on and then putting the money into those stocks that have since come down by a lot when they got in, as well as, you know, the people who maybe have got in a lot earlier or people maybe by accident were um, holding those stocks. For example, I myself, I I have had BlackBerry since December. And so... So yeah, it's, the timing is very much of the essence here. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how this turns out. And I really appreciate you spending time to talk with me. Thank you so much, Pauline. Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure. That was Pauline Shamnolan, professor of finance at York University's Schulich School of Management and the CEO of WealthScope. That's our episode of Down to Business. Thanks as always for listening. If you enjoyed this, you can rate us on your podcast app and share it with a friend. This week's music and production were provided by Bryce Hall, editing by Yadula Hussein, and web support by Pamela Heaven. I'm your host, Gabe Friedman, and until next week, you can find your business news at financialpost.com.